the lumber room. The children were to be driven as a special treat to the sands at Jagborough. Nicholas was not to be one of the party. He was in disgrace. Only that morning he had refused to eat his wholesome bread and milk on the seemingly frivolous ground that there was a frog in it. Older and wiser and better people had told him that there could not possibly be a frog in his bread and milk, and that he was not to talk nonsense. He continued, nevertheless, to talk what seemed the veriest nonsense, and described with much detail the coloration and markings of the alleged frog. The dramatic part of the incident was that there really was a frog in Nicholas's basin of bread and milk. He had put it there himself, so he felt entitled to know something about it. The sin of taking a frog from the garden and putting it into a bowl of wholesome bread and milk was enlarged on at great length, but the fact that stood out clearest in the whole affair, as it presented itself to the mind of Nicholas, was that the older, wiser, and better people had been proved to be profoundly in error in matters about which they had expressed the utmost assurance. You said there couldn't possibly be a frog in my bread and milk. There was a frog in my bread and milk, he repeated with the insistence of a skilled tactician who does not intend to shift from favorable ground. So his boy-cousin and girl-cousin, and his quite uninteresting younger brother, were to be taken to Jagborough Sands that afternoon, and he was to stay at home. His cousin's aunt, who insisted by an unwarranted stretch of imagination in styling herself his aunt also, had hastily invented the Jagborough expedition in order to impress on Nicholas the delights that he had justly forfeited by his disgraceful conduct at the breakfast-table. It was her habit— whenever one of the children fell from grace, to improvise something of a festival nature from which the offender would be rigorously debarred. If all the children sinned collectively, they were suddenly informed of a circus in a neighboring town, a circus of unrivaled merit and uncounted elephants, to which, but for their depravity, they would have been taken that very day." A few decent tears were looked for on the part of Nicholas when the moment for the departure of the expedition arrived. As a matter of fact, however, all the crying was done by his girl cousin, who scraped her knee rather painfully against the step of the carriage as she was scrambling in. "'How she did howl!' said Nicholas cheerfully, as the party drove off without any of the elation of high spirits that should have characterized it. "'She'll soon get over that,' said the soi-disant aunt." It will be a glorious afternoon for racing about over those beautiful sands. How they will enjoy themselves! Bobby won't enjoy himself much, and he won't race much either, said Nicholas with a grim chuckle. His boots are hurting him. They're too tight. Why didn't he tell me they were hurting? asked the aunt with some asperity. He told you twice, but you weren't listening. You often don't listen when we tell you important things. You are not to go into the gooseberry garden, said the aunt, changing the subject. Why not? demanded Nicholas. Because you are in disgrace, said the aunt loftily. Nicholas did not admit the flawlessness of the reasoning. He felt perfectly capable of being in disgrace and in a gooseberry garden at the same moment. His face took on an expression of considerable obstinacy. It was clear to his aunt that he was determined to get into the gooseberry garden. Only— as she remarked to herself, because I have told him he's not to. Now, the gooseberry garden had two doors by which it might be entered, 
and once a small person like Nicholas could slip in there, he could effectually disappear from view amid the masking growth of artichokes, raspberry canes, and fruit bushes. The aunt had many other things to do that afternoon, but she spent an hour or two in trivial gardening operations among flower beds and shrubberies, when she could keep a watchful eye on the two doors that led to the forbidden paradise. She was a woman of few ideas, with immense powers of concentration. Nicholas made one or two sorties into the front garden, wriggling his way with obvious stealth of purpose towards one or other of the doors, but never able for a moment to evade the aunt's watchful eye. As a matter of fact, he had no intention of trying to get into the gooseberry garden, but it was extremely convenient for him that his aunt should believe that he had.